0: This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. But first, if you love the outdoors and are looking for ways to align your education with future employment in the trades, Northwest Technical College in Bemidji is for you. Explore state-of-the-art technical education in six career paths, automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology, all in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods, surrounded by more than 400 lakes and, of course, limitless forests. The shortest path to your dream job and a good bite is at NTC, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. Well, this week on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, we figured we should probably talk a little bit about fire prevention because we're getting into that season, and uh, thankfully Ben Lang, the assistant area forester out of the Bemidji area, joins us to talk about that, Ben, thanks for taking the time. Good morning. How are you doing today? Doing good. Before we get into that, tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, how you got into forestry, how you found your way to Bemidji, Minnesota.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I went to Iowa State University to get my forestry degree back in the early 2000s. Got hired with the state back in 2005. Spent a couple years up in Warroad and Grigla area. Then moved down to Deer River and Grand Rapids for five or six years. Did forestry work and wildlife, wildfire over there. And then back in 2013, got a job as the timber program forester here in Bemidji. And then moved up to the assistant area forester back in 2017. So what is a timber forester? So a a timber forester kind of coordinates all of the timber permits, the harvesting, and uh, dealing with loggers and just making sure that the timber flows off of state land.
0: Okay. Now the other uh, question, of course, is
1: uh, why
0: forestry? What got you interested in that?
1: So I grew up in Iowa and uh, just always had a love for the lakes and the woods up here and decided this is where I wanted to spend my time. Um, growing up, I didn't want to go too far away from home, so this was a nice compromise. Okay.
0: And uh, the Bemidji area uh, forestry area. So, what is the Bemidji area roughly?
1: So, that's a fairly big area. It, we have uh, land just on the north side of Upper Red Lake. We go all the way out to the North Dakota border, um, and then just over to Winnie, and then down kind of uh, L- Itasca State Park is our kind of our southern border. So. So large swath. Yes. And there's there's thousands and
0: thousands of acres of forest. Some of it uh, state forest, some of it national forest. How many
1: total acres are there in the area, do you know? Um I would say there's roughly half a million acres of state land. We do have some forest service land and some county land in there too. So there's lots of woods up here. What is a forest by the definition
0: of the Minnesota DNR? Um that would be a Sorry, and <laughs> If that's a tough one. We can we can I can edit this out. This is not live.
1: Yeah. So uh, that's a that's a little bit of a tough one. So you know a forest is continuous timber mm-hmm. or woods. You know that that could be aspen, pine, birch, oak, maple, uh, basswood. So I mean it, it should be continuous timber of some sort. Okay. Edit that one out, please. <laughs> kind of took me off guard <laughs> on that one. I'll just do the
0: uh, the good parts. <laughs> right. Um. So so we're here to talk about um fire prevention and fire safety uh, because this is the time of year as we come out of winter everything seems to be really really dry and there's a lot of uh, concern. So what is it what is it about this time of year that makes it such a dangerous time?
1: So in Minnesota, especially in this area, we have a lot of light, flashy fuels. That's your grasses, your shrubs, your your fine fuels. We call them, and uh, they don't take very long to dry out. So if you get a quarter inch of rain at you know in the morning at sunrise by. Three o'clock in the afternoon. If it's windy, warm, and dry, they will be ready to burn. So, you know, with that flashy fuels, you know, and our pine that we have as well, it just it's a good conditions to have a lot of wildfires. And so, you just have to be extra careful when if you have a campfire the night before or burn a brush pile. That uh, those things are out because you know you get the right wind and the right humidity, they'll take off on you.
0: A lot of people think, well, we had all kinds of snow, it's melted in, everything's wet. But
1: snow, uh, you know, multiple feet of snow uh, equals only a few inches of rain, right? Yeah, correct. And, and you know, that's always a, a misconception every year that, oh, we had lots of snow, it should be fine. You know, like I said, those fuels dry out quickly. It happens every year. And even if you have four feet of snow you know a, a week or two after that's all gone at the most usually just a few days you know those those fuels are susceptible to burn i know there is no average year because some years are drier than others some years are windier than
0: others the types of conditions vary from year to year but but typically how many
1: calls are you guys
0: getting for fires
1: on an, I'll say a normal year we have you know 75 to 100 fires a year you know it's and this is definitely april may and first part of june is our most active time of the year and then even in the fall you know mid-august into september after we get a good hard frost our, our fires usually tick up a little bit and we have a few more occurrences so is it just as we talked about the conditions
0: are right to make it more um, fireable so to speak or is there actually more fires going on this time of year
1: I I would say a little bit of both. You know, everybody gets out in the yard and they, you know, the snow's melted and they look at all the branches that have blown off the trees and they just want to clean up their yard and get it ready to go. And they think, oh, well, I'll just have a little fire to, to take care of this. And they step inside, grab something from their house and they come out and, and there's a fire. And so I would say, yes, there are more people burning this type of year, just cleaning up things than there would be, you know, other time of year and all the dead grass from last winter, is dead and ready to burn. Okay.
0: So um, be careful, of course, but there are rules and regs, and there are times you can do things, times you can't do things. Kind of lay out for us what's what's going to happen
1: this spring and what we need to be aware of. Okay. So yeah, yeah in, in the wintertime, if there's more than three inches of snow continuously on the ground, you don't need to have a burning permit. Um, probably about two weeks ago or so, I did turn on burning permits, you know, and just, that just notifies people that, hey, if you want to burn a pile, you, you have to get a burning permit through the state and you can do that on our website or go into a forestry office or a township fire warden and get those permits. Um, Probably in the next week to two weeks, I'll be putting on burning restrictions and I, that restricts regular burning permits. Uh, You still can get a variance permit, which is a special permit, through a a forestry office only. And we typically hold those to um, economic reasons or agriculture, you know, something along those lines. You know, if if you're building a new house and you have a pile and the house is going right where that pile is and you have to burn that pile, you can we can issue a burning permit, a variance permit for that. Uh, We do on special weather occasions, if there's a red flag warning or a fire critical day, I will shut down... Permits completely, and we just won't allow anybody to burn it all. Mm -hmm. So, um,
0: campfires, um, you know, um, uh, bonfires,
1: what's the rules on those? So, you know, you can have a campfire. Last year was the first time in 30 or 40 years that we actually restricted campfires. It doesn't happen very often, uh, but if it's three by three, or I say the size of a truck tire. You know, that's that's what a campfire, you can have a fire inside of that ring. If it's larger than that, then technically you're supposed to have a burn. PNR Forester
0: Ben Lang, my guest, we are talking fire safety. Eventually we're gonna be into that season. We got a lot more to come with Ben next on the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast. If you're fascinated by what you're hearing today, Bemidji State University might be the place for you when it comes to college. They're located amid the lakes and forests of the Northwoods, and it's the only place in Minnesota where you can earn a four-year degree in aquatic biology. It's a state-of-the-art program on the shores of Lake Bemidji, giving you high-tech lakeside facilities and ample opportunity for research and a hands-on education. You can choose fisheries biology, aquatic systems, or wetlands ecology. An aquatic biology education at Minnesota's premier Northwoods University. It's the right fit for you. Visit BemidjiState.edu. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley, Bemidji Area Fishing Guide. I'd like to invite you to come to our beautiful town of Bemidji. We've got over 400 lakes in our area teeming with walleye, pike, muskie, bass, and panfish. We're the gateway to the Chippewa National Forest. We've got miles upon miles of biking and hiking trails. Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Fine shops and eateries in downtown Bemidji. Headwaters of the mighty Mississippi at Itasca State Park. Beautiful resorts, hotels, and bed and breakfasts. Visit Bemidji one step further. Today on the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast, we are talking with Ben Lang. He is a forester with the Minnesota DNR, and we're talking fire safety. What are the things we should keep in mind to be, to be safe when we're having a fire?
1: So, if you're having a campfire or even a, burning a, a pile with a burning permit, you know you need to be on site at all times. You know it, it only takes a gust of wind or a drop in humidity for a spark to get outside of that pile or that campfire and and take off and start burning up uh, the grass or the timber, whatever you have around you. And so I guess just making sure that you're, you know, watching it, you have, you know, items on hand to take care of that. If that's a hose or, you know, a bucket of water or some tools or something to extinguish that fire, if it does spot out a little bit. And then probably the most important part is when you leave for the night, you walk inside, you're making sure that that pile or that campfire is extinguished. Because You know, a lot of our fires happen from people that walk away from a campfire or a brush pile and think, oh, it's out, no worries, and they, you know, they leave for work the next day, the afternoon, it's warm and windy, a gust of wind comes up, sparks get out, and then there's a fire.
0: Last year, drought season, drought year, it was, uh, you noted one of the, uh, Driest years I can remember in my adult life. Well, my whole life actually. So, how bad was it? I mean, how many fires did we have?
1: You know, the the citizens of the Bemidji area were great. You know, we had 130 or 131 Mm -hmm. fires last year, which you know, for how dry the the weather was and how extreme the conditions were. You know, I would say the numbers were down a little bit from what I was expecting. And so, you know, everybody was great about, you know, not having campfires when we, we asked them not to, you know, not burning 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 piles when they, they wanted to. And so, you know, the, the occurrence was down for the conditions that we had. Okay. Um, fire is an amazing thing. I mean, it can take forever to get
0: one started. You know, I think it's the hardest thing in the world to start. And then, of course, it can become just an absolute monster.
1: Absolutely. You know. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like, you know, you can sit there and burn a pile every year for 20 years and never have it do anything, and it just always works. And then one year, you know, the grass is a little taller, the wind's a little stronger, humidity's a little lower, and, and all of a sudden you have a fire on your hands and, you know, you're wondering what happened. You went into, fu- into forestry, but you're also a firefighter. Did you see that coming? Yes, you know they warned us about that a little okay. bit. You know, when I when I got hired, they said you'd be doing some wildfire, uh, and so you know it, I knew it was part of a job. You know, and I was excited to do it. I didn't know exactly what all accompanied that when it happened. You know, it, it has definitely become more more of my job than I was expecting it to do. I know that um, you're.
0: You know, you're, you're talking wildfires and brush fires and that type of thing. Uh, I believe the fire departments, those people would be trained in that as well? Uh, or, or but They're actually trained in every kind of fire, right?
1: Yeah, you know, we couldn't do our job without the fire departments. And so, you know, all of the fire departments are great to work with. We have an awesome relationship with them. You know, they, they it is their responsibility as well. You know, if there's a fire that they're going to respond to it. And, you know, it's great to have their their equipment and their personnel on site to help us put out those fires we've uh like you said
0: uh, we were in pretty good shape as far as drought fires and wildfires go but it's been a nightmare in other parts of the nation up in canada certainly over in the boundary waters even last year Uh, have you ever had to go out and fight those
1: yep you know it's also one of the privileges that we have as a as a forester and a firefighter in with the state of Minnesota that we get the opportunity to go out west, you know, up to Canada. I've been out to Alaska kind of honing my skills and, and learning new things. You know, I, I had a firefighter just get back from Texas yesterday down there helping on a dozer. And so, you know, we get lots of opportunities to go out west. And, you know, I've been all, all over the country, you know, from Michigan to Manitoba to Alaska fighting fire. So you've seen it firsthand. What can happen? Oh, absolutely, and it's you know you can see flame lengths two hundred feet tall cresting out of a you know a pine of tree or a grove of trees out west, and it's it's an amazing thing.
0: So yeah, take 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 very good care, um, and of course you know one of the things that uh, that occurs in, in forestry is you know you're preserving forests, and those trees get old, and even uh, you know even living trees get a lot. Do they not get drier the older they get, and, or more brittle, and those types of things? Or, or am I not correct on that?
1: Um, yes and no. I mean, there's always if they're not self-pruning themselves, there'll be dead branches that you know will stay on the tree, and it, it, the fire may crawl up that tree every spring. We have something we call it the foil, foliar dip, and so the pine trees are putting on, or exerting a lot of energy to put on the cone growth for the the summer. And they actually lose moisture in all of their needles, which makes it more susceptible to wild end fires. That typically ha- happens sometime around the end of April to the first half of May. And it's something that happens every year. And that's where, at least in Minnesota, we get a lot of our crown, crown fires in our pine.
0: Okay. Um, And then, uh, you know, at the same time, I know that that, uh, fire is necessary in forests to some degree as well, or historically has been. The difference now is we've got people living in forests and living in places they probably weren't living a few hundred years ago.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, this is a fire-dependent community um, that we live in as far as the forest goes. And so, you know, to some degree that there was fires on the landscape, you know, throughout the spring, summer, and fall. And you're absolutely right, you know, with roads and people and houses and agriculture and everything that, you know, we try to do a little bit of prescribed burning every year, but it, it becomes more difficult, you know, as as populations grow and it, you know, those large tracts of timber become less and less.
0: Okay. Well, looking at the forest in general, not so much fire at this at this point of the interview. I'm, I'm just kind of curious, you know, when you're looking at the forest lands you guys manage, what are your goals? I know timber is part of it. I mean, that's an important part of the economy here. Um, I know getting out in the woods and you know the recreational aspect is part of it. How many different things are you guys looking at?
1: Yeah, so that's a that's a good question. We we have a multi use forest, so we, we manage for a little bit of everything. You know, we do that manage for timber, uh absolutely, but we also manage for recreation. You know, we want to make sure there's A T V trails, snowmobile trails, hunter walking trails. You know, we're managing for deer and grouse and turkey habitat as well. You know, and we're just and we also have areas where, you know, it we don't have a lot of uh vehicle use and so they're kind of our more limited use areas where we kind of keep the noise down and the traffic down where people can kind of get a little solitude and so you know it's it is part of the DNR's or division's mission to uh you know we have to ensure that we continue to have a forest you know that that is our number one mission is you know for every stick of wood we cut we have to you know resupply that with a a forest, and so we want to make sure that we are managing in such a way that continues the forest in a healthy manner.
0: And so, I imagine you need to work with wildlife quite a bit uh, since you're kind of in charge of their habitat.
1: Yes, yeah, so you know, we work fairly well with, with wildlife there where you know we, we go back and forth on their goals and our goals, and we work together to make sure that you know we're meeting both of those to the best of our ability.
0: How long you been in Bemidji you now?
1: So I moved here in the spring of 2013. So that'll be nine years. Okay. And uh, there's no better place to be, right? Absolutely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Love it here. Hey Ben, before we wrap it up, just recap for us once again for those of us out and about wanting to do fires. What do we need to be doing this spring?
1: So, like I said, if if you're going to have a brush pile or a campfire in your backyard, you know, make sure that. Uh, you're watching the weather. Make sure it's not extra extra windy or extra dry, and you know before you go to bed, make sure that that fire is out.
0: Okay. He's Ben Lang, assistant area forester out of the Bemidji area office, and a firefighter as well. And Ben, we appreciate the time and the very diverse conversation we had. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> You've been listening to the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Northwest Technical College and Bemidji State University. You can catch the radio show Saturdays on KBUN Sports Radio 104.5 in Bemidji, B93.3 in Brainerd, and Kick FM in Alexandria. And of course, multiple times a week, we'll have great stuff for you right here on the podcast. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast has also been sponsored by Visit Bemidji.